us. Good morning, familia. So good to, <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to respond in Spanish. That's okay. I just say it so that way you learn something about me a little bit. So, good morning. How many of you wanted to sleep in this morning? I'm like, yes, come on. As Tony Evans says, tell the truth and shame the devil. Like, yes, I'm here, but I want, I'd rather be in my bed. <laughs> for all of you guys that are worshiping with us at home, thank you for being with us also. We're excited that you're with us. For all of you, us that are crazy enough to come out in the, in the snow, right? It's beautiful outside, isn't it? Look at that. It's gorgeous. We're here to worship together, amen? Do me a favor. Open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We're titling this message, Humility Above All. One of the ugliest, or probably the ugliest, characteristic of man, would you agree with me, would be pride, right? Pride is the one thing that, it just prevents everything. It was the one thing that, that uh, knocks Lucifer out of heaven, you know? It's the one thing that will prevent us from bending a knee to Christ. Pride is incredibly, incredibly strong, especially when it's found in us. But as believers in Christ, what are we supposed to resemble? Pride? No, right? Humility. Above all, humility. This is how people are going to say, yeah, we know you got to look like love is the chief characteristics, but what is that love based on? And it's a humble heart, Okay? It's a humble heart. This guy named Harry Ironside, I like it because it's a Chicago story. He was a well-known preacher and author of, from, various previous, from a previous generation. He used to tell a story of his struggle with humility. He asked an elder friend, what could, he, what could he do about it? And his friend counseled him to make a sandwich board. You know what I'm talking about. Remember the sandwich boards? where you would put it over you and you would walk around, you'd have something on the front and something on the back and you'd walk around, you know, it's called a sandwich board. I know because I had to look it up, okay? All right? Um, he asked him, what could he do? And he said this, make a sandwich board with the plan of salvation and scripture on it and wear it as he walked through the business and shopping district of downtown Chicago, Okay? For an entire day. Could you imagine Michigan Avenue just going up and down, wearing that? Ironside did it and found that to be the, hum the most humiliating experience. As he was taking the sandwich board off, however, he caught himself thinking there's, no, there's not another person in Chicago who would be willing to do a thing like that. Think about that statement. He was taking it off. As he was taking it off, what was he doing to himself? He was praising himself. <laughs> like, no, dude, the minute you did that, you, you didn't get the point of the lesson, man. You didn't get the point of the lesson. Yes, humility is a difficult thing. Just that moment, you think you have it, you lost it. I often joke around and said, I want to get a button that says, I'm humble, right? <laughs> See, those that laugh got it, right? But... 
Humility is essential to successful relationships. Ask any married couple, right? It is the oil that makes the intersecting gears of human personalities turn with grinding on each other without grinding on each other. Love, which is what we talked about last week, and humility go together. You cannot have one without the other. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, love is the only force in the universe powerful enough to change an enemy into a friend. Amen? That's what love does. Augustine concluded, one loving heart sets another on fire. And then Benjamin Disraeli saw that we are all born for love. It is the principal existence and its only ends, and its only end. The power of love and humility is the message of Philippians 2. This is what we're going to share about today. Here we can learn that whenever people love humbly and unselfishly, especially in the midst of strained relationship, they promote unity and spread joy. And that was what Pastor Dell taught us two weeks ago, right? And we talked about unity as the first one another. Then last week we talked about love. Today we're talking about humility. The church in Philippi needed this message. And to be honest, we need it. Amen? We need it. Above all, we need this message. If we're going to be the church God wants us to be in our unity and in our love, it needs to be based on humility. So again, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Because Christ is our example and he challenges us to live a life of unselfishness and unity. Christ is the example of our, of our humility. This is who we're trying to be like in all things. Again, so begin with me. Point one, okay? Here's what I wanted to share with you. Number one, the essentials of humility. There's four of them found in beginning one through four. There's four of them. He says this, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. If you're in my class, you probably already picked it out, right? Any, 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 any? Okay? Complete my joy by being the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then verse 3, do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interest of others. In chapter 1, Paul speaks of his joy in prayer and joy of, and adversity as a Christian serving his God. Imagine this. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians while he's in prison in Rome. Okay? This is the context. This is what's happening. He's in jail, and he's encouraging the church. Hey, consider it all joy, man. Consider it all joy. You're going to go through hard times, and they're coming. But how do we do it? We do it in the context of humility. And he tells them this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. He's telling them you have to do it. Chapter 2, Paul explains how joy comes through other aspect of believer's life, humility towards others. This is where we get our profound joy in our purpose of not being selfish and hoarding it all for ourselves, 
but to say, hey, that's my brother, that's my sister. I'm going to love them and encourage them and serve them. It's funny that in the beginning first verse, four times, any encouragement, any comfort, any participation, any affection. It's, he's asking a rhetorical question. Like, you already know this answer, but let me hyphenate it, if I could say. Let me put a spotlight on it, because this is what we're supposed to reflect. It comes from comfort from his love, right? That's how we get it, from Christ's love. It's fellowship with the Spirit. It's tenderness and compassion, all right? Because we're united with Christ. Believers are members of his body. We have special bonds towards one another. And that's what we're talking about, the one another's. We want to build a church that's unified, that is glorified through the love we have for one another and for those that are lost. But all of that is going to be based on what? Humility. I'm not considering myself better or worse than any of you because, right, we're all the same. Amen? Amen. Each of us puts our pants on each and every day the same way. Amen? Right? We need that grace of God in our lives. Our attitude towards one another are important. The reality of oneness in Christ is based on us being encouraged by one another. When I'm down, what do you do? You hopefully, right? You pick me up. And if I see you down, what do I do? I pick you up. I'm putting you first. Look at in verse 2. Paul instructs his readers to make joy, his, my joy complete. Paul's saying, hey, you really want to bless me, guys? You really want to lock my socks off? In practicing response with the following outlook towards one another. He said this, have the same like, be like-minded. That's not, hey, think the same thoughts and act the same way. But be of one mission, one heart, one goal, one thought. Fellowship with the spirit, okay? Having the same love. Being one in spirit and purpose. That's going to base and create our unity is our first lesson. Remember, two weeks ago, Pastor Dell taught us this. We're going to build a church on unity, on love, okay, and on humility. These sentiments are viewed by Paul of being normal for Christians. Being united in Christ, believers work together for the same purpose rather than seeking areas of disagreement or division. That's what we don't want to be known for. Amen? We want to be known for, oh, man, oh, I, I know that church, Long Grove. Yeah, they're, they're good. Well, how do you know them? And they're, they're, they're weird. How are they weird? How are they weird? They're, you know, they're... They're always loving. They're always looking out for you. You know? And ladies and gentlemen, to a dying world, that's attractive. That means like, wow, okay. I would like to be part of that. Who does that resemble? That resembles Christ. That's what we have to be. That's what we should be looking for. After revealing the positive way for believers to behave towards one another, Paul gives negatives to avoid. Check this out. Unity and love means selfish ambition and vain conceit have no place in the Christian life. We're not going to use one another to get higher here. No. That's not going to be us. In fact, what we're going to be doing is seeking the, in a sense, the lowest position. We're going to fight over who could do more to serve one another. Amen? Amen? Come on this morning. 
Help me preach this morning. All right? All right? Come on, remember, I'm Latino. It's okay to talk back, okay? It's okay. All right? They have no place in the Christian life. Such characteristics rise from pride, not from love. Instead, humility to characterize the Christian, we're not to exalt ourselves above others. I had a guy, I, I, I wish I could remember his name, but when I was in the Marine Corps, I, I'm going to call him a friend because he was. For me, he was my friend. But his special gift was to put me down. Seriously. Yeah. I don't know if you know somebody like this. Maybe they're sitting next to you right now. Okay. They are. Don't look at them. All right. Um, but this guy's gift, like I played beach volleyball. I know. I know. I'm this short, but I played beach volleyball. Okay. And every weekend, I'd be at the beach in California. And this guy, he could play, too. So we would go out and do tandems. You ever see beach volleyball two-on-two? And we would spend the whole day playing. But as soon as we met other people, right, we were playing against them, the way he made himself feel good, the way he made himself look good or be big, and he was already taller than me, was putting me down. And everybody was like, on the whole team, they are like, we, we called each other by our last names. He's like, Valentin, why do you put up with him? He's such a jerk. I go, yeah, I know. But I think he's doing it because he's scared. He doesn't know how to love. Church, we will never do that. Let's not practice that. Where I look good by putting you down. You look good by putting me down. No, no, no. That's not love. That's pride. That's not being humble. Okay? You're probably thinking it's easier said than done, yet Jesus himself said it this way. Remember, and I said that to you last week, a new command I give you to love one another just as I've, I have loved you. You must love one another. Then all men will know that you are my disciples if, what? You love one another. John chapter 13, 34 and 35. Biblical love is Selfless love. The opposite of this kind of love is selfishness. Humility does not mean putting ourselves down, but rather lifting others up. It's a saying in Spanish. Okay, I'm going to say it to you. Don't, I'll translate it for you after. Okay? My mama taught it to me. She said, soy manso, pero no menso. Soy manso, pero no menso. It's only a syllable change from A to O in, in, one, in, in one word there. It literally means this, translated. I'm humble. I'll be humble, but I'm no one's doormat. You understand? You practicing humility in Christ is a great thing. You being a doormat for somebody else is the wrong thing. If you know that your partner, your friend is humble and you take advantage of that, shame on you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't step on somebody so that you could be taller. Be humble. But ladies and gentlemen, especially ladies, my sisters here in Christ, never, ever allow anyone to use you to step on you. And to my brothers who are very humble here, same thing. Don't. I had a friend of ours, and he would say yes to everything. Why? 
And everybody thought, oh, he's so humble. I'm going, no, he's scared. And you're taking advantage of him because you know that he's going to say yes to you. Don't do that. Humility is a great thing. Abuse of it is wrong. Okay? For us that are practicing it, for us that are using or walking next to somebody that's trying to be humble. Verse 4, look at verse 4. Looking out for our own interests comes naturally. We need and receive no instruction for that, amen, right? I could take care of myself easily every day. We are instructed to look out for the interest of others. We are to keep our eye out to discover ways that we can help others, even when they don't, do not need to see, uh, excuse me, even when they do not see they need such help. The apostle stated it this way in Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? Those are four essentials we're going to need to be humble. Let's look at the next thing. Number two, our example of humility. This is Christ, verses 5 through 11. Christ gives us the example of humility, what we should strive to be like, because he did God honored above all else. Okay? Look at in verse 5. Paul proceeds to give examples for the Philippians to emulate. The first is Christ. He is the supreme example of humility, love, and selflessness. Christ's model brings to life Paul's words. Have this mind among you yourselves, which is in yours, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is how you're supposed to think. This is how you're supposed to act. Okay? Are united? We're united with Christ. We're to have the same attitude as Christ, one of what? Humility. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. You're going to hear these over and over again. We're not trying to, like, say, oh, let's just keep repeating the same thing. We're trying to pound it into you so that you understand this is what we are going to be. Humble and patient, bearing with one another. All believers should share this humble, selfless mindset of Christ. Christ is the example. He did it. We're going to do it. Verse 6, it says this. Jesus is the preeminent example of humility. He who thought, who, who though he was from the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Right from the beginning of John 1.1 speaks of this. Jesus in the beginning was the word, Right? And the word was with God, and the word was God. As God, he did not selfishly grasp hold or tightly hold on to his position as equal with God. Instead, he was willing to leave his high position in heaven temporarily and give himself over to serving our needs, although he set aside the rights and privileges of being God. He remained God. Think about it. The king of the universe sits high and mighty, exalted, where all the angels know him, praise him, give him glory. And the father says, hey, we got to redeem humanity. I need you to go down and take the form of man and give yourself over to them. What does the, father, what does the son tell the father? Not my will, but yours be done. That takes humility. That takes humility. Here's the king of kings. Does he come high on a throne, on a horse, white? 
That's next time. That's part two. Part one, he comes as a humble little baby, and he gives himself over. Humility. That's what we're supposed to be the example of. That's what we're supposed to look like. Verse 7, Jesus made himself nothing. He emptied himself. Can you think of that? He didn't become any less God, but he chose not to use his divine attributes. This is the thing. This is the coolest part. This is where the theology geeks love to get out because it's a word called kenosis, right? Meaning, hey, I got it. I have it, but I'm not going to use it. I'm going to just, you're going to see me and my humanity because if I show you my deity, oh my gosh. Only three of the guys saw the matter, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration where God shows himself completely. And what are they? They're like, oh. Christ doesn't walk around like that all the time. He kind of said, okay, I'm going to just walk around just like you. I'm going to be just like you. In fact, I'm going to die for you because <laughs> you need it. That's what he does. That's what he does. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's the amazing part. That he would, as one guy said, he would condescend to be like me because he is like me. Or I am like him. Amen? Because we are all like him. For God, did, for God to become a man was humbling enough, but he was willing to even go further. Christ could have come to earth as his true position as king of the universe. Instead, he took the role of his servant. Okay, the creator chose to serve his creation. That's the uniqueness about our faith. Every other religion in the world practices this one thing. What do you do to earn salvation? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? In Christianity, it's not like that. In Christianity, it's done. Amen? Because Christ has done it all. He came down to us. We couldn't go to him. He got into our mess, and he lifted us up and forgave us and called us his children. And even when we mess up every day, which we do, he's like, I got you. Come on. And he picks us up. That's humility. What are we supposed to do for each other? The same thing. When you don't know what to do, just look at him because he's our example. Okay? Jesus did not come into existence as the baby in Bethlehem, as God, he always existed. He did not take on human nature as Jesus of Nazareth, being made in human likeness, but remained sinless. Hebrews 4, Christ did not have a halo as paintings sometimes portray him. He entered this earthly life looking like an ordinary man. Had you passed him on the street, you probably would have never even looked at him. He was so ordinary. But yeah, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And he condescended to come to us like that. Look at verse 8. Jesus, looking like a man, humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Speaking of Christ, declares, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? 
to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 is also helpful. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Even though Jesus was equal to God, the Father, he submitted to the Father's will. I told you that, John 5. Not my will, but yours be done. Becoming a man was humbling. Taking the nature of a servant was even more humbling. Christ went still. He went even further. He humbled himself to the extent of being willing to die like a common criminal. Think about it. The, the cross, Rome used to use the cross, no, number one, for its political, for its political adversaries. But it was also such a determining thing that if you got caught, you were crucified. And they would line up the town, like the entrance to the town, coming onto Main Street, and you would see crosses. And it said, guess what? If you mess up, go against Rome, and this is what happens to you. You die like a dog. And look at what Christ does. He says, I love you enough. I'm going to let these guys kill me instead of you. Because the wages of sin is death, right? We've all sinned. Amen? There ain't nobody here perfect. You know? I'm raising all my, I, I got to raise, I got to keep one leg or else I'll fall. I am the chief of sinners. If you saw what was in my mind and in my heart, you would be like, get that guy off the pulpit. If I knew what was in your heart and mind, I wouldn't even let you in the building. <laughs> See? See? We're all the same, right? This is nothing but a hospital for sick people. Amen? Christ is our antidote. He's the example. We're trying to emulate him. It was funny this morning in our Next Steps class, we were talking about our personality styles. And it came up. But I'm this personality, and I'm this personality. I'm like, yes, that's the way God made you. He wants to exalt himself through that personality. But now take that personality and humble yourself below the throne of grace. And watch how God uses you. And whether you're dominant, whether you're a D or an I or an S or a C, it doesn't matter. God is going to get glory through you and in you if you are what? Humble. That is the chief goal for us. We should be like, hey, what can I do to serve you? How can I love you? How can I walk with you? Let me, give me an answer and I'll do it for you. We do this for each other. This is what the Romans used to do. Verse 9, following Jesus' humility and obedience, God the Father exalted who? Him. To the rightful position of honor and glory, through the miracle of resurrection from the dead, God gave him new honor to the obedient, humble son. The Lord Jesus Christ resumed his pre-incarnate rank and dignity, seated at the right hand of God's throne. Hebrews 12, God bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. Amen? 
The name that is above every name that exalted Christ seated on the throne. So that when you hear that name, every knee shall bow and confess that what? Jesus is Lord. I, I have the blessing of working in corporate America. Thousand people, you know, that I care for each and every week. Love them, and I know them. They're great people. And I can say this, honestly. The world is hungry for the truth. In church, we possess the truth, not because we're good, because he is good, amen? Here's the answer that the world needs. It's Christ. But the world, the world isn't going to come into the through the four walls. It's not going to read the gospel of Mark or the gospel of Luke, but it will read the gospel of Tom or the gospel of Dave or the gospel of Chinette or Willis. I'm just picking on some people. Right? It needs to look at you and see Christ in you. So how are you walking? Are you being humble or are you walking in the flesh? Are you crucifying yourself or are you exalting yourself? Christ humbled himself all the way to the cross and that's when God said, now take your seat, my son. The whole universe is going to bow to your name now. Oh, wow. That's, I think about that. I think that's so cool. That is so cool. See, the, the jarhead in me says, ooh, you're in trouble now. You're in trouble now. I'm, I'm like this. Here's a, here's a hint for you. Humble yourself now. Bow your knee now. Because when you do, Christ will exalt you. He will lift you up. Okay? Look at this. Final thing. Here's the call to humility. How are we going to do it? Here's how we're going to try to, every day, walk it through. Number one, we're going to wash each other's feet. No, I'm only kidding. But it gives that example. John 13, 14, wash one another's feet. This was an ancient Near East. Roads were all dusty, right? You'd be walking around with your tevas on. Jesus had tevas, okay? All right? He'd be walking around. He'd get to the house. you take off your tevas. And the lowest slave in the house would be there to greet you with a bowl of water and a towel to wash your feet, right? Because when you lay down at the table to eat, so imagine you're sitting at the coffee table, you'd lay down like this on the sofa, and you would go this way, and your pillow would be at somebody's feet. Now, could you imagine trying to eat while smelling somebody's dirty feet? It's not appealing, man. I know. I know. My friend, one time when we were younger, he stood over at my house and we slept together. And his feet were, were next to my pillow. I don't eat Doritos anymore, anymore, because of that. I Seriously, I don't. Because that's what I smelled was Doritos. I was like, man, that's Dorito feet, man. But how do we do this today? When you come to my house, I greet you. Right? With a handshake, with a warm welcome, with a cup of coffee, and I invite you in. It's simple. Hey, how are you doing? Good to have you. God bless you. Come on in. We greet one another. We treat one another. We welcome one another. We're hospitable towards one another. This is what it means 
to care for one another. Number two, we give preference to one another over in honor, Romans 12, 2. This is simple. You have to learn this to put everyone before myself. Everyone comes first. That's simple. I learned it this way in the Marine Corps. This is the way they taught it to me. And you'll see it here. Leaders eat last. Leaders eat last. So if you see me and we ever have a meal together here, okay, I'm the last one to eat. I will. I will not go first. Not because I'm special. It's just I honor you above everything else. I'm going to make sure you guys eat. Every father knows this, right? Your kids come home, right? Your wife comes home. Your wife wants to serve you. But most of the times we're like, no, let the kids eat first, then you, and then I'll, I'll do it. I'll eat later. The guys know this. Why? Because you're practicing this preference. Put somebody else first. Okay? Number three, don't be haughty by the same mind. Okay? This one is easiest. Do you believe you're better than anyone else? If you do, let's talk and pray about that one, right? Number four, serve one another, Galatians 5.13. This is the first art of the verse. First part of the verse is about using your freedom in Christ, not to go crazy and sinning, but in serving. To do so means that you have to be humble. He tells the Galatians, hey, church, in Christ, there's no super rules. In Christ, you're free. But now that you're free, don't take your freedom so that you can indulge in the flesh. In fact, if you want to use your freedom correctly, use it by putting other people first and serve them. Again, going back to our next steps class this morning, we were looking at our gifts. What are you going to use your gift that God has given you? How are you going to use it to glorify God and advance the kingdom? That's your purpose. And lastly, be subject to one another, Ephesians 5.21. We clothe yourself in humility, in humility towards one another. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says it when this, when we clothe ourselves in Christ, the skin that we resemble to resemble Christ is what? Humility. When we see it, it's our mutual submission, men to women, women to men, because this is the context, right? It's about marriage. But... When we do this, we most resemble Christ. That's when we look towards each other. That's when we say, I want to be subject to you, and you're going to be subject to me. Because I stand here as pastor teaching you, it doesn't mean that I'm better than you in any way. In fact, in every way, I'm like here, and I'm trying to be beneath you, lower than you, lifting all of you up. Because when I do that, I glorify God and I exemplify him. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Join me. Let's serve one another and think about how could we do this even more? How could we love one another, be walking in unity and serve one another in humility? I'm going to outdo, and I'm going to outdo you in doing good, and you're going to try to outdo me. And when we do that, what a great church we're going to be. Amen? Because when we do this, and here's the final thing, when we do this, we're going to look like Jesus. We're going to be that picture of Christ. And that's the mission. Amen? To become pictures of Christ in all that we do and say. So.
Can you worship with us? We want to thank God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, to be like you is an amazing task. It seems daunting <laughs> because, God, we are selfish by nature. Even after we come to Christ, we have to be crucifying the old man over and over so that he is not exalted above you. But, God, we want to glorify you, not just in our words, not just through a song, not through a, a tithe that we give, but through our own self, by loving one another and caring for one another, serving one another, putting the other person first. And that requires humility, Lord, where I had to die to myself so that I could be a blessing to my brother and sister in Christ. This is the church we desire to be, God. Help us. Especially help my brothers and sisters, all of us, Lord, who struggle sometimes when putting others first. Because it's so much easier to just put it in neutral or in cruise control and let that happens what happens. But God, we don't want to be that way. We want to exalt you. So Lord, teach us to die to ourselves. Teach us to go to the cross daily. To be a living sacrifice. That means we have to lay down and not move so that we could die to ourselves. We want to thank you, God. We want to praise you, God. We want to give you all the glory and honor. And the, Christ, and the church of Christ said, amen.